Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Welcome to Thrive Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Orion Ohev. He is an emergent strategy coach that works with thought leaders in the fields of education, DEI, coaching, integrative healing, and Western medicine, who are navigating imposter syndrome, stress, anxiety, and challenges with intimacy, boundaries, and speaking truth. Orion, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Amy. So good to be here. Yes. Can you share your story with us in becoming a leadership coach? Sure. Yeah. I never thought I would be working with leaders. That was never my intention or the path that's kind of emerged one step at a time. And I think for me, it started back with realizing uh, I grew up in New Jersey, in Kearney, New Jersey, about 20 minutes from Newark, New Jersey. And Newark has a lot of impoverished neighborhoods and demographics that aren't, you know, have historically not had their equitous fair share of what's been happening on uh, happening in the country. So I would go to work with these children as a tutor. Uh, my One of my first businesses was as a tutor, I started a tutoring agency. And I think I found out in my visits to these kids' homes that they really, number one, didn't need math help. Number two, they just needed someone to listen to them. And what I realized was that these were leaders, every single person I met. And that's not like trying to make it dramatic, but really just understanding that each of us is a leader and that these youth were so brilliant and so passionate. And when I asked them a few questions that no one in their life was asking them. So I think Yes, I happen to be coaching people who are at the surface level leaders now, but I feel like for me, it's more about seeing everyone as the leader they are, as the important voice they are, as whatever, wherever they are, wherever their circumstances have resulted in them being, that they're still important and their voice is equally important to anyone who is a perhaps higher up in the hierarchy as a leader or lower in the hierarchy. But in your journey, what are you grateful for now? Well, I'm really right now really grateful for my relationships, my friendships, and and my business. This business took a long time to gain sustainability. I've been doing this part time for eight nine years and had to fall back on Plan B's several times. And for the last three years, I've been doing it full time. I just really love my business, and I feel like it loves me back. And there's this synchronistic, symbiotic relationship that I've never had with a business before. Where you know, emotionally, I've had some challenges over the last seven months and moving around a lot, but my business has just been so stable and secure in supporting me. And I've really been stable and secure in supporting it. Just the way my friends and family and these deep relationships have been building up my whole life that are now, uh, I was just in New Jersey for six weeks, going to spend some time with my mom and some family. And now I'm staying with a friend in Austin. And just these relationships are so nurturing and I'm so grateful for all of them. So what's your greatest desire for those that you coach? Yeah, my greatest desire is that they remember how important their voice is. Not from a strategic standpoint, for them to be able to discern the ways in which they accidentally or unknowingly or unconsciously are moving through the world or taking action or bringing service into the world when a part of them is doing that to to feel accepted or to feel valued, not that kind of importance, but they really understand that their voice is important, that their happiness and their worth is important, that they don't have to overwork themselves or overwhelm themselves. They don't have to serve uh, in order to earn that, that they can slow down. My real wish for everyone that works with me is that they get to slow down, that they get to remember how to be in their bodies, how to feel their emotions, how to be with the parts of themselves that 
their busyness allows them to avoid. So that, and they can remember how to accept themselves and really find that inner inner peace that can only come from that capacity to be in their emotional experience. So how do you know what are conditioned beliefs and what is your internal truth? Conditioned beliefs are always of the mind. When I speak of truth, I'm speaking of something beyond the mind. So truth to me is something that is is beyond words, beyond logic. It's between thoughts and it's something that's felt. It's something that's known. Some people call it intuition. Some people call it a gut feeling. I do believe every person, there's a lot of different ways to feel this truth. And some people feel it as an intuitive knowing that happens instantly. Other people feel it through an emotional intelligence. Other people feel it in their gut. Sometimes the combination of both. Some people feel it in, in as a rising of energy or a feeling in their chest. So there's lots of different ways to experience truth. Sometimes people hear it in what they say. It's a truth that is known, not through knowledge, through wisdom, not through something that they've learned it in a book or told that they should do or looked at the facts and gathered. But it's something that is irrefutable because it's such a strong yes or such a strong no within that being. And we've been taught and conditioned over the years to ignore that, to not listen to that, to follow what's logical, to measure pros and cons, to figure out the strategy, to get to where we want to go. And we've been taught to ignore the inner uh, uh, inner feminine, the inner chaotic knowing that might take us off a logical path, but eventually lead us to that fulfillment, that inner peace we're really looking for. The conditioned beliefs kind of keep keep a person spinning on the hamster wheel. The mind loves it because the mind is like, cool, I got another thing to do. I, I'm like busy and I'm, I get to keep working at myself. I get to try to keep fixing myself. I get to try to keep shifting this situation with this next tool or this next strategy but the mind doesn't realize that it's just running around in circles. And pausing to slow down enough, so again, we come back to the slowing down where breath is possible, a feeling of an experience in the body that then one can notice what is true and all of the resistance to all the fears, all of the uncomfortable emotions that come with following truth. And instead of continuing to be busy and avoiding it, they can practice being with those uncomfortable feelings. I think that's so powerful to say, because in experiencing that myself and practicing that, I'm fairly new at it the last couple of years, feeling you know maybe a negative feeling or anxiety or whatever it may be, and diving into that and realizing that, hey, I don't need to eat a chocolate cake right now. I can actually like go and deal with these emotions and explore them and find resolution. Even if it's grieving something, you know, at its core of the situation or whatever it may be. And I think that I'm wondering if you agree that a lot of people stay at that state of uh, the, the surface emotion and try to medicate that or treat that emotion and respond to that emotion versus taking the time to go a little bit deeper yeah, I really love the way you said that, for sure. I, I believe many people do that. I know I still do that at times. You know, I continuing to practice being with more and more of an emotional range and building my capacity up in my nervous system to to be with higher highs and lower lows. And there's times when my nervous system is like, I, I can't do that. That's that's too much for me right now. And I, I catch myself in old patterns, sometimes emotional eating, sometimes busyness, getting lost in work. So for me, it's, it's 
yes, absolutely. Short answer is yes, I do see that in a lot of other people and in myself. And the key isn't to think that that's a step back or to beat, beat. It's so easy for me to beat myself up and I and catch that too. So it, it isn't about arriving anywhere. It's about real remembering that as a heart centered being that is desiring to create impact in the world uh, in, in a way that is aligned inadvertently, that is going to take you into your emotions and, and inadvertently, eventually, as you unravel the conditioning that has kept you from trusting your heart, you're going to hit an experience of life that pushes that edge. And for me, I keep just noticing the more I go on this journey, I push another edge like, okay, I have the capacity to hold this much emotion now. And then this kind of relationship happens or this kind of experience happens or my business grows to this level. And that's super uncomfortable for some inner part of my, my neurology, my psychology. So then it's, it's just being gentle. The answer for me is simple and hard, which is to be gentle, to really be okay if you reach for that chocolate cake again one time um, to, or multiple times and to find a sustainable behavior shift through love gentleness and acceptance of oneself instead of through the constant fixing, forcing, self-judgment, self-beating up and all that. That's really good. So why is attempting to control your external circumstances and working hard not a good solution? So, you know, those that are get on that gerbil wheel, why is that not a good solution? I don't mean to pick on words, but I'm also just very sensitive. Like I don't even want to say it's a good or bad solution because if a person came to me and was on the gerbil wheel, I wouldn't tell them that that's a bad solution. I would um, invite them into an exploration of to see, like, to them, is it a is it a bad? Is it what their nervous system needs right now? Is it what? So, but to get to the essence, because I know I think what you're asking is really important, which is why does that not result potentially in sustainable change? So, without making it good or bad or anything like that, it's like it doesn't result in sustainable change because every time that we go through a trauma, no matter how big or small there is a part of the brain that gets corded off and stops developing. So it's a little neural network that uh, is now like almost like there's police tape around it. And it's it, the rest of the brain keeps growing, but this neural network is committed to making sure that that person does not go through that trauma ever again. So when a trigger happens in the future and that part of your neurology believes or thinks there's a threat that is going to result in that same trauma that happened when someone was two or three or five or seven or 11, that behavior or protection pattern kicks in, whether that be uh, uh, avoidance, procrastination, self-deprecating behavior, or, uh, avoiding emotions, overwork. The, that part of self, that part of your, the neurology is triggering and like that can usually result in those behaviors, the very things that you're asking about, this, this beautiful question of like, why is it not a sustainable way to shift by going into these overworking or, or conditioned behaviors? Because no matter what it looks like, we can shift it on the surface level. It can move from overwork to creating an aligned business, but overworking in the aligned business. Or it can look like taking three personal development courses um, or you know, volunteering part-time and working full-time, whatever it looks like, we can shift the surface and make it feel a little bit more aligned. But underneath that part of the neurology is still triggering just as fast and the root isn't actually getting shifted. So 
to shift the root takes that slowing down to understand why is my neurology even firing like this? And I usually like to archetype these little neural networks, give them a name because uh, normally they're all like little Amy or little Orion or four-year-old Amy, eight-year-old Amy, seven-year-old Amy to like mark the moment that that neural network got committed to that protection pattern because it's literally frozen in time. It's like there's a four-year-old or seven-year-old just like trying to operate your whole life, operate the control room. I think the pattern I normally see people do is they'll fall into an old pattern of avoidance of overwork or over something and then beat themselves up for it. And that's like taking little Amy or like a little version of whoever's listening or like a little you. Like if any, if you like put yourself in their shoes of like what it was like in their life growing up in a challenging time at home or in school, that that's like berating that little child for trying to protect you um, when she's overwhelmed. And like really what she needs is a hug and gratitude. And like what happens neurologically then is it gets that neural network to stop firing so intensely. You start to integrate that neural network back into the present moment. The busyness prevents that healing process from happening. The slowing down and being with allows space for that healing process to happen. I think that's so insightful, especially because, you know, when you do go through that process, just on simple terms, all of a sudden you, you can handle life. You can handle all of the, the stuff that comes at you. Like we were just talking about all the things that can happen prior to the show. And when you do take that time, like you said, it's, it is like magic of all of a sudden, all the things that overwhelmed you, you know, it's not that big of a deal anymore. So what are some of the indicators that are, that we're trapped inside a comfort zone that is hurting us? I love this question. I mean, the first thing to focus on, I think, is awareness and to notice that comfort zones aren't always fun. Like a lot of times I know I've found myself in comfort zones that were very damaging. So when I, just, just to be clear on the definition of comfort zone in this context, it's, uh, it. It's a comfort zone being that you're used to it. It might be really painful. It might involve hurtful relationships or um, hurtful patterns or misaligned work or overworking. However, you know how to do it. There is, it's the comfort zone of like, I know how to fight these fights with this person. I know how to, I know that if I overwork myself this way, I'll get this paycheck and that results in me being able to do this. So the comfort zone is hurting us is when there's a, usually when there's a, a fear uh, and a, the awareness is enough to see that, wow, this is, there's something about this situation that doesn't feel safe, doesn't feel good, doesn't feel aligned. And yet I am too afraid or there's so much fear in my system right now. Uh, my nervous system doesn't have the capacity to choose anything differently because there's a, um, a fear that it's all going to fall, fall apart or I'm going to lose all my money or end up homeless or end up work, uh, without work or end up alone forever. And these big, so that's a big trigger the when there's a big grandiose fear of, uh, of like a big death or a big abandonment. That's usually a good trigger to show that there's like possibility and potential with gentleness and, and uh, some self-acceptance navigation to move out of that damaging comfort zone into a more aligned, uncomfortable zone for a little while. I like that. That's so true to you because in order to grow, you do have to step into sort of what doesn't feel comforting or familiar 
that process of even growing a business, it, taking it to the next, every time it goes to the next level, you have to grow internally and allow for that in order for it to go to that next level. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I love that. I love what you just shared. And uh, I agree. It's, it's, there's always another level. And that's part of the thing. It's not about learning a strategy to get somewhere because that strategy may work to get you to the next step, but then that same strategy won't work to get you to the step after that. It's about really building the capacity to be in the mystery, which we've all is, is human nature. It's our human nature to be in the mystery. It's our human nature to, to be in the unknown, to be in harmony, to allow our true nature to move through us. However, we've learned so many conditioned beliefs and thoughts that we block that flow and we try to control it. We try to, which is back to your question before, we try to inadvertently control everything so that we can know that we're going to be safe. And therefore, we give up a lot of our expression and power that, and we don't let ourselves grow. We don't let ourselves fully express and become who, uh, remember who we are. So why do you believe that our external world is a reflection of our internal world? Yeah, so uh, there's a couple different parts to this answer. Um, there's an experiential part, and then there's a uh, more theoretical part. I'd say the experiential part is the most important. I've seen it happen enough for myself now, where it doesn't matter what any book or person says. I, I know it's true. It's, it's, it is my truth. It's it's not just a, a theory anymore. It's like, I've seen it happen. I shift something within me and suddenly my whole world realigns around, around that. One big example of this was uh, back in 2000, uh, beginning of 2019. This was right before I went full-time in coaching and decided I had been coaching part-time for about five, five and a half years at that point. But I had hit a, a couple snacks, so I was, had a plan B, and I was working as a COO of a small website agency because I also have a tech, a tech and design background before I, uh, when I was in corporate years and years and years ago. So in the span of seven days, so much happened. On Friday, the, the owner of the company said, one day I plan on handing this company over to you. Monday, he let me go. Wednesday, my partner broke up with me, and we had been talking about like marriage and kids potentially down the line. Thursday, I lost my car. And like Saturday, I moved in with my now ex into the house we were considering having a family in with a friend because we'd all committed to like moving in together into this like big house that was like, th my portion of the rent was like three times anything I'd ever earned. I realized by that point, because it had this kind of, this is a very extreme example, but normally when there's an inner alignment, things in the external world fall away. And then it's very easy to go, why me? Why again? Why did this really, like, why can I have love? Why can't I do this? Like, why does this have to be so hard? I did do those things, but I like gently worked, allowed myself to go there and then allowed myself to remember the truth, which is those things fell away because they're not aligned anymore. And I got the very clear truth that like the, the universe, God was saying, basically, stop screwing around. Like, stop with the plan Bs. Like, you're here to coach. You love coaching. You know you're here to coach. Stop distracting yourself with misaligned partnerships, misaligned this, misaligned jobs. I was like, okay. So I said, all right. Then I prayed because I was like, I'm, I'm in, but I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to generate this much income and like keep it full time. And so for the first five months of living in that home, each month, like 
two to three thousand dollars came in in the last three days to make sure I could cover my rent and everything. Like it, like I waited until the last moment to receive, like, and it was just like ready to call my family to like borrow money, which I'd never done before because I was so committed to not doing a plan B. I was like, I'll borrow money if I have to. Like I'm all in, but I never had to. And what I realized was happening was I had aligned to a reality, an inner reality where I was coaching full time. And it takes time for the external world to emerge, a new external world to emerge around that inner alignment. But it happened. And it, it took time because there was still resistance. There's still parts of me that didn't believe, didn't believe I was worthy, were afraid, all of these things. And I had to be with those emotions and trust. No, this feels right. I'm following my truth. I'm showing up every morning. I'm in action. I'm taking action. I'm reaching out to people. I'm following my truth, my body, what it's telling me to do. And I need to trust that the energy is going to come back. Everything I need. If I meant to do, my prayer was always, God, if I meant to do this business and live in this home, please guide the clients to me, guide me and what actions to take. And it always happened. And then as I built my trust in that happening, it happened a lot sooner. And I realized I was learning to rebuild my trust. So experientially, that's the best learning is to go on this path to start following the heart and let yourself have an experience of shifting something inside you and watching your external world shift around you too. Theoretically, this is all happening because of vibration and frequency. So, uh, you know, quantum physicists have done a lot of work into this uh, and shown that we do live in a vibrationary universe and everything has vibration. The table that's uh, in front of you that your computer is on is uh, a, a suggestion. It's, it's not like solid. It, it sure looks solid, but if you were to zoom in enough, it's all, it's all moving. So I, re I really do believe uh, in, in the property of resonance. You know, we, we don't need to look anywhere other than music for, for really understanding resonance. And when we hear a song we really love, there's like a resonance. It's like, it just like hits our body in a beautiful way. And when we hear a song we really don't like, there's a dissonance. So it's the same thing with people experiences, jobs, communities. I actually really believe, and this is what I do with all my clients, that the only thing that, the thing that matters more than anything else, not the only thing that matters, the thing that matters more than anything else is alignment to your truth. Because when you start to align to your truth and you start to let it burn away all the limiting beliefs, all the things, all the fears, and the gentle loving fire, and it just burns away, you're lightening your frequency. There's actually... Um, energy stuck in your field around the physical body that has a frequency in it and heavy it makes your frequency heavier so as you're starting to be with those emotions they actually get to leave your body because you're not holding on to them anymore as your comfort zone and your protection place which then lightens your frequency so now you're vibrating at a different frequency so everything in your external world that you created from that old frequency is now going to be dissonant and this is the hardest part I think because things do start to fall away. Relationships, jobs, this, that. Usually by that point, you're, the person feels so aligned that they're more ready for it, but it's still, there's an unknown period of like, oh my God, now there's just a void and there's nothing, which is like when I moved into the house and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this rent. And I had to trust that a new reality was going to emerge. And I, theoretically, it has to emerge because the universe needs, there's just resonance. We always resonate with our environment. So if we want to shift our environment, but we feel stuck or it doesn't look like there's anything to do to shift the environment, 
you shift your inner environment and the external environment will have to shift because there's a dissonance. That's so powerful. And I think, you know, there's a couple of things when you were speaking that made me think of examples of how I've experienced that uh, tangibly. Both, uh, you know, a lot of people are familiar with the term empath. And if you're an empath, you can, you tend to feel other people's emotions, you feel their energy. And, you know, for a long time, I thought, oh, that's just a spiritual thing. And then later realized, oh, this is actually proven in psychology. I was talking to a psychologist and they're like, yeah, there's science around that where your emotions actually do, um, like you said, they, they surround you as, as almost like an energy field. And so other people can feel it, uh-huh. right? If, if somebody's sensitive to it, which again, proves what you were saying of, you know, other people are going to respond to you based upon your own energy. And what you're putting out and your emotions and how you feel on the inside. And that's going to mold your world. The other example where I experienced this in a very tangible way was I was at a Tony Robbins UPW event. And there was a man up there that was, he was teaching meditation. But what he had us do is put our hands in front of us like this, like we are holding a bowl. And I think first we, he had us uh, rub our hands together so we felt our own energy and, and, you know, swir- make a swirling um, uh-huh. thing so we could feel it. Right. So we were kind of sensitive to what it felt like. Then we did this and he, there's, it was 9,000 people in this uh, auditorium. Right. And he's up in front and he did this with his hand and every single one of us could feel his finger moving, uh-huh. like swirling uh-huh. our bowl, our imaginary bowl. It yep. was at that point, I real realized how, not just um, how much we're connected with energy, but how expansive it is. That was 9,000 people in this gigantic room and we all felt what he was doing. Right. Yeah. And if you start to think about that in where you live uh, around what you, you know, where you work, everything, how much of how much you really affect what's around you is incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's super powerful. Yeah, it's, it really is amazing. And again, experiential, right? Like, that's why I think it's so important. There's both, to me, both are so important because the mind is like insatiable. It's like, but, 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 but that doesn't make sense. And like, but, 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 what, what do you mean vibration? What do you mean? Like, no, we need, we need steps. We need step one, step two, step three, step four. So I like always like to like, I love that you brought in the science and the psychologist because I do think it helps our minds like relax and be open so there's like less resistance so then you can have that experience and then when you have the experience it's like one of my big experiences was the first time i ever was introduced to a pendulum and uh have you ever heard of you know pendulums uh, okay i'm not sure you uh, yeah it's okay it's like it's usually like a metal string of some sort uh do i have mine on my table no but it oh, has like where a the, where the where the weights hit each other right uh no that. I forget what that's called, but no, it's like it's something you hold in your hand and it is just a weight, but okay. uh, like a lot of like, there's usually it can be like a crystal or a stone at the end and um, you can use it to like ask questions and see like what way it moves. But the, the first way someone introduced it to me was to like lower it down in front of my head and like in front of where my third eye chakra should be and then in front of my throat and then in front of my heart and like see that it would be still. And then as soon as it was in front of where a chakra should be, it would start spinning in a circle. 
because there's an energy vortex. It's like the energy vortexes of our chakras. So I've like read about the chakras, heard about the chakras, even heard some science behind the chakras. But like then, like you like you said with the bowl, that's like witnessing it for yourself. There's just no replacement of that. And I hope everyone gives themselves the gift of like, like you said, rubbing your hands together, and then even even like just bringing your hands together really slowly and like bringing your subtle where you can feel like when your field the field of one hand hits the field of another like because i can say these things all day every day you can say these things all day every day but when there's a felt experience it's like a remembrance kicks in into someone's body yeah definitely and you know what's interesting too i want to mention this is that i spent a lot of time in uh the christian church around what they would call the power of God or supernatural experiences. And what I found was really interesting. A lot of what I experienced was that tangible energy where, you know, somebody would imagine somebody throwing a ball of love at you. (laughs) Right. And you experienced this. And um, it wasn't until I started to understand the science behind the energy that we in of ourselves have around us and what's uh, inside our heart that for me, it took it, you know, I started to go into this whole, okay, this is the science behind what I think is spiritual. And it doesn't mean that there's no spiritual there. It just means that there is a level of data and science that actually you can look at and analyze, and it doesn't have to be spooky. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Because we like to label things so much, and but there's a, a, an element of, of science around it that can be appreciated. So where does imposter syndrome come from? And how do you help individuals overcome that? Yeah, this is something I've been like really thinking. Even It's, it's something I've like, talked about and been aware of for a long time, but been really like sitting with this even more lately because, you know, I've been coaching for eight years now. I have a lot of friends who've been coaching for years and just in the industry and like, talking to other coaches I really trust and, and think are, are holding a really safe space for people. And imposter syndrome is a thing for all of us. It doesn't seem to matter how long there's a coach. So it just brought this question. Like I've always like been able to help my clients navigate it, but I really got into a deep inquiry of like, wait, where does it come from? And like, what is it? And it really, one of the things I uh, that came to me one day that I, when I was thinking, I was like, oh, and I realized that number one, we are a, a collective uh, uh, community-based organism, humans. We, we really thrive off of helping each other and being with each other and supporting each other. And, you know, there's the level of the, um, you know, being caught in your own blind spots, like where you're really good. You can kind of see objectively because you're not in the, in the fires of it, what someone else is going through and kind of guide and direct and see really clearly for them. But then when you're going through something, you're, there's like a lot of the emotions that, um, getting stuck in it. So there's that level of imposter syndrome of I'm so good at helping others with it, but this area of my life is a shit show or a, a, a challenge or a problem or whatever. And then, so there's that level. And then, which is really important to become aware of, especially I think for coaches and healers, because I think it's it's normal and it's okay. I think there's in this industry, we're helping other people with deep traumas and we also have deep traumas. Most, most people have deep traumas, um, you know, relatively compared to each other, we can make them smaller or bigger, but they're traumas, things that have separated us or had us approximate from our true self. And it's okay to have traumas. I think 
what we always need to look into and check into as the coach uh, or a healer or a leader of any kind uh, in any organization is, is there any wounding I'm unaware of? Because it's that wounding that is wreaking havoc on people and like you don't even realize it. And being willing to humble oneself and always look and always check in and shift and heal. And that is the never ending journey. I think that's really important. Number one for any leader, this other aspect of nature, you know, I really believe that Adrienne Marie Brown, an amazing um, author wrote a book called emergent strategy, which is one of my favorite books. And I realized very quickly when I read her book that, wow, this is like very similar to what I've been doing for years. I just like what beautiful language she puts to it. And I learned like so much more when I read the book of like, she really brings up the ideas of biomimicry and how we can learn so much from nature and mimic nature and just a lot of good stories about activism and how activism is often doesn't work because it's very surface level and very strategic and very angry. And, and there's like a deeper emergence that can happen with slow, loving, gentle shifts. So thinking about nature, I was starting to ask myself, is there any one element, one being, one creature in nature that helps themselves? Like just helps themselves. That just is like, like maybe like they'll like like cats groom themselves, things like that. So I don't mean I'm not small nature, but like really like there's so much symbiosis in nature. Like we give carbon dioxide to trees, trees give oxygen to us, trees give acorns to squirrels, squirrels poop in the dirt to fertilize the trees. And there's just like bacteria feeding off of us and we're feeding the bacteria and there's like this big battle happening inside of us all the time between red blood cells and white blood cells and bacteria and our immune system and it's like just like so much there's really i still can't i'm sure there might be an example out there nature is filled with lots and lots and lots of examples of beings helping each other bees helping flowers and, and reverse nature so just like really accepting that we're not designed to help ourselves I mean, too, we're designed to put food in our mouths and make sure we don't die and all of that stuff. But like these deeper emotional things, there's like your question to come back to it. Where does imposter syndrome come from? It comes from the lack of gentleness to one's own wounding. And the thought that I should be better, I should be more healed, I should be something, which is the exact opposite of the kind of future I believe we want to have emerge. We want to have emerge a, a future that emerges from self-acceptance and gentleness. And so for me, again, it's not about trying to get better or fix what isn't working in one's life. It's about being gentle with the parts of ourselves that aren't, that are struggling. Because that's what makes someone a great coach, a great leader, great this. And we can use the wisdom of nature to support us in that. So we talked a little bit about living from your truth. If somebody's listening and Maybe they've not even attempted to start living from their truth or find out what their truth is. What would you say to them to begin to unlearn poor conditioning and start to walk in that truth? Thank you. Yeah, I think that's such an important question. And I'd say the first step is awareness. And then making it a much smaller thing, because a lot of time, I remember when I started my, like when I was in the corporate world in 2009, and you know, I was socially awkward when I was a kid, beat up a lot, pushed into toilets, books knocked out of my hands, made fun of, all the things. I was a virgin until I was 22. And I learned a lot of ways to navigate the world, to stay safe, to feel like I could be safe. And I learned a lot of ways to speak, a lot of ways to be that later I had to unlearn and or chose to unlearn. 
and remember that I create my own safety, which was a long, it's, it's still an unfolding process. But when I started, I would say it was in 2009 when I quit the corporate world. And I had been chasing a salary and a house and a car, the American dream, because I thought that's what would get me love. I thought that's what would finally have a woman like fall in love with me and choose me. And that had become my life. And I abused myself as a result. I let this company abuse me. I worked really long hours, 80-hour weeks, ate really bad food, and just gained a lot of weight and was really miserable. And I almost bought a house. The thing that woke me up was my house sale. The house purchase fell through. The next day, I gave in my notice. And that was kind of the beginning of this. I just knew I had to get out. Uh, I'd say I had hit rock bottom, which I don't think someone needs to hit rock bottom. I think the first step, because in the beginning, it's almost impossible to access truth because the comfort zone is so strong. The condition patterns are so strong. And then where people normally start is I need to find my purpose. What's my purpose? What, what do I do? What am I actually here for? That's a huge leap from like years of conditioned behavior in a comfort zone to suddenly letting your divine purpose move through you. So for me, it's one step. When I quit corporate, my question was not, what is my purpose? It was, how could I replace my salary doing work I love? What's one way I could receive money doing something I actually enjoy? That makes me laugh. That makes me smile. And I started a dog training business because I loved animals. And then I worked minimum wage at an animal hospital and a doggy daycare. And I, I started a tutoring business on the side and, and taught, taught calculus in university. I started to piece together this income. but I'm not suggesting anyone get four jobs, two businesses. I'm suggesting find that question, that one step, because you know what happened? My dog training uh, course I took online uh, hooked me into a local mentor in person, Fernando. Fernando Camacho, if you're in New Jersey, or he has online trainings too, amazing dog trainers, still like uh, such an amazing person. But he connected me to meditation. He connected me to um, a book called The Art of Nonconformity by an author called Chris Gillibo. I fell so much in love with that author. I went to his event in Portland where I met my life coach and so many things just spun from that because I took one step, one uncomfortable step of I'm going to, I didn't think I was going to be a dog trainer for the rest of my life, but it was sure as hell a good step in a good direction that felt fun. And that introduced so my comfort zone was like this big and all the opportunities i could see were like in that circle and then suddenly i took a step and now it was that big and i started to get comfortable in this circle but in this circle i had access to more people more opportunities more things that i didn't have access to from here so it's noticing the brain's tendency to want to figure it all out to want to know and then to realize that when you take a step you are expanding your field of comfortability and therefore, aligning yourself to more resonance with more people, more opportunities, more things that will, the next step will unfold after that. Can you share some of your client success stories with us? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, you know, I've worked with a wide range of clients. One of my clients was in the corporate world, actually. So yes, technically, like you heard in my bio at the beginning here, I do work primarily with people in education and DEI, and, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and um, Western and Eastern medicine and healing and coaches. However, I, that's not limited to that. Um, that's my main focus, but I, I work with a lot of people in tech too. And I'd say 
uh, one of my favorite clients, he was really, really nervous to leave his job and they weren't really treating him well. After three months of working together, we finished up and the very next week, he not only put in notice to that job, he started uh, his, his own business and uh, on like the side and got another job and then quit that job too a week later because he realized it wasn't aligned. And he put himself so in the unknown financially twice within the span of two weeks because he built his capacity to be in the unknown. And I had another client who, through what uh, he learned with me, quit his huge sales job and built a, a six-figure business in just a, a four or five months and working and, and, and like created much more time with his family and his child and all of that, doing work he loved. Uh, another woman who was a, is a leader, a VP in a coaching organization, actually, she learned how to set boundaries and, set, and create, move from 60-hour work weeks to 40-hour work weeks to 30-hour work weeks to, while also um, building up her coaching practice on the side but from a spacious place where she had a lot more time for her sons and really developed a, a deeper intimacy with her partner. I say intimacy is a big thing too. Like inadvertently, people's relationships get closer. There's just so many success stories that, that just ran through my mind around you know, people really getting the power to speak up for their truth, which then creates more attraction. Sometimes it creates dissonance, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it creates more alignment and closer because people will never, won't say the truth because they don't want to rock the boat. And through our work together, they align to truth so that they rock the boat, but then the boat like, like, is like a more luxury boat after, after it's rocked. So it's, that's happened in marriages and relationships. Sometimes people leaving relationships, starting businesses. Yeah. But those first three were the three specific ones that really jumped to mind. I love the term that you use of just being able to hold or experience that unknown because- yep. That is such a truth around experiencing success. At least I have experienced that. It's like yeah. if I'm able to go to the next level or if I'm you know, in my business or in whatever it is that I'm going after, it's being able to handle that level of not knowing mm -hmm. how things are going to turn out and absolutely having peace in that. But uh, yeah. almost a, just an assurance because you're living in your truth that it's going going to work for you. Yeah. And being in that space is it can be scary. But once mm -hmm. you once you kind of I don't know practice it, it gets easier and it it seems to be like the best place to to live and to be if you want, especially in that place of going to the ticket, like your client, you were mentioning being able to just create a business within a short period of time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Right. It's, yeah, it really is the only thing. Uh, I think there, there's like, it's, it's no, not the only, it's the foundational thing because from the unknown truth emerges. And, and I always say there's, cause people have asked me before, but like, that doesn't, that doesn't like add up because what about all the millionaires and billionaires who like don't aren't coming from a heart-centered place or aren't very strategic or aren't this, not that they don't have to go through unknown periods on their entrepreneurial journey as well. I'm sure they did, but I, I feel like there's two ways to make money in this world. There's two ways to receive abundance. There's two ways to, to be in this world. One is the conditioned strategic way. And people can become millionaires and billionaires following that. They can figure it out, force it, follow certain rules, learn how to be, learn what to say. Usually I, I, I do think that a lot of those paths involve 
kind of detaching from other humans and like kind of sometimes hurting others to get where you want to go to make that much money, not millionaire, but definitely at the billionaire level. And I, I feel like that, I don't, I, I can't say that as a fact, that's something that I, I, I'm inquiring about. But anyway, the point is anyone can become a millionaire. The system is built for that. The system is built for to learn our rules, do our rules well, we'll keep paying you more money and you can make it. But usually that involves overwork, overwhelm, disconnection from the heart, disconnection from intimacy. When you, like you, Amy, like in, are in this heart-centered space, that doesn't work for you, right? Like you've learned, like you've like learned, like I can't do that, but you can still attract millions of dollars when the service that's moving through you requires millions of dollars to run. When it, when the impact you're having requires millions of dollars to, to pay a team or to donate or to give back when you're a good steward of the money, when you're like really letting your purpose move through you, the universe is like, wow, get that woman enough money. So that purpose can keep happening because it's aligned. And that is required to go into the unknown because the unknown is the only way you can return to your heart. The unknown is the only way practicing, like you said, I love that you use the word practice, practice being, practicing being in the unknown is how you will eventually attract more and more abundance, intimacy your way from a heart-centered place and have the biggest impact you possibly can. So what do you think your truth is that has gotten you this far in your journey? Well, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's beyond words. Uh, so it really is beyond words. It's, uh, it's the feeling in my body. It's my, it's, uh, you know, one of the systems I work with is human design and my authority in that system is my sacral, which is like my gut. Essentially, it's like three fingers below the belly button, second chakra energy center, like center of life force and, and pure life energy. And, uh, I follow that. I listen to that. I've learned to not to, to be with my mind and all its disagreements and all its fears and to trust my body. So I guess my truth is that's gotten me this far is when I'm showing up from an aligned place and not trying to force anything or figure anything out. And I am allowing what wants to happen through me to happen and noticing when my ego is getting involved and just being gentle. When I keep doing that, when I'm consistent in that, money continues to arrive in ways I could never predict. Building that trust. And let me just say that it took years to get to this place. And there's still a lot of fears that one day it's going to fall away. It's going to disappear. Now, I built up enough months in a row of evidence that, that it always comes somehow. Every, like you said before, at every level of expansion of the business, it's like new problems, new things to learn, new fears. So what got me here, though, was those moments when I didn't know the rent was going to come the next day, when I didn't know where it was going to come from. And I really just trusted. I listened to myself like this is the path I'm meant to be on. So this money must be coming. And it did. Not magically. I don't, I'm not like a sit back on the couch and, and manifest type of person. Uh, but it would come from a relationship I started three months ago or two months ago. A random phone call. Someone thought about me. It was like ready to work with me out of the blue the day before rent was due, you know, because of action I've done in the past. So that trust, that awareness is the, the thing that's gotten me here the most is that trusting my body and that awareness and my capacity to be in the unknown and be in that discomfort is foundational. And without that, it just becomes trying to strategize and, and work in the system. 
Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, I think if you get out of that, then you go into, like you said, those things that aren't aligned and you try to, well, I guess, you know, this isn't for me. I'm going to go into things that aren't aligned and then you end up miserable. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I've been through, (laughs) I've been through iterations of that several. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't we all, you know, and it's amazing what I heard somebody say once they said, you know, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship, uh, I can't remember who, who it was, but they said, some people will be miserable and they'll stay miserable in something that they're not aligned with that a job that they hate because it's familiar and they know what to expect and they, and they, um, they think it's safe, but the truth is, is that how do you know, how do you know that's safe? You could lose your job tomorrow. You could yeah. be fired tomorrow. The whole, the whole company can go down. Anything could happen. You could just uh, be miserable. There could be people in working there that you're miserable with and you can't count on those things. So yeah. you almost, it, it's not so much, uh, when, when it comes to the entrepreneurial world, I think. Sometimes it's, it's that realization of choosing which uh, safety net or feeling of safety that you want to have. Is it the safety in other people? Like you had said, I found that you found, you know, that you are your security, you, you know, you can create your own security. I think that that's so key yeah. because if you can get to the place of creating your own security, then you're, you're not going to reach out for something that's not in alignment with, you know, your truth. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. This idea between like the condition safety, false security and true safety, which is like, like, I feel so safe now more and more parts of my brain still freak out sometimes, but like more and more, I feel safe that I'm always, always going to have what I need because I realize that the more I'm in alignment, the more that like, Money just comes out of nowhere all the time now because I'm in alignment. So I'm. you asked again before you asked, like, what is a first step someone could take? I think building awareness is a really good first step. So one thing I just want to offer anyone who's listening is that to really sit with this fact for a second, that the first time in human history, any one man or woman has had more money that they can spend in a lifetime was 3,500 years ago. Just 3,500 years ago was the first time any human had more money that they could spend in a lifetime. Our modern neocortex has been around for 200,000 years. So for 196,500 years, no human ever had more money or something that they could spend in a lifetime. Suddenly, we learned how to build really big boats and sea merchants and sea trade became a thing. So we started to carry our wares from one place to the next and come back with loads of money. Now, a man and a woman are sitting there like, we can never spend all this money. New problem that we created. Before that, everything was fine. Everyone was safe and secure. Everyone had what they needed, except, you know, they get hunter-gatherer times, like get through like natural disasters and things like that. But but in, like as cities formed, like there was no hierarchy of the wealthy versus the not wealthy. There was no, and now all of a sudden we need banks, we need police to protect our money. We need uh, state laws, we need all of this. So to realize that when you chose, your soul chose to be born, into this period of time, you were born into 3,500 years of conditioning that you then, depending on where your family's viewpoints on money, either got reinforced or maybe not if you were one of the really lucky ones or you chose that, that path to have parents that had a better relationship with money. 
reinforce this societal conditioning field we're all in that we need to create our safety. So there's a lot of gravity pulling us down to like the collective is at a place right now where we've inherited 35 plus generations of this conditioned belief that we need to create our own safety by putting money away in this bank for retirement for later that we've lost touch with. That's not how the universe works. And then when we start to open up our heart-centered path, the biggest fear is like, but if I don't save, if I don't do the things, if I don't have the consistent paycheck, will I? Will I? But what I'm experiencing time and time again with myself and my clients is that when we can support our nervous systems and relaxing into the remembrance that that's not how nature works, no squirrel hoards nuts for more than one winter. No squirrel passes down nuts to their little baby squirrels. Like they know there's going to be trees that have nuts that fall that their baby squirrels will be able to gather and then poop out and then gather more. It's like there's always money is energy that when we're in alignment, nature has to exchange energy for our energy because it's how nature works. There's a quote. Um, by a poet, uh, a spoken word artist called Shane Kwaizen, it says, be like the weed growing in the concrete. Beautiful because you don't, it doesn't know it's not supposed to grow there. I do feel like in this way, you, whoever's listening, can grow like a weed in a system that doesn't want you there. The system wants you to follow the rules and make money and put it away and store it. And I'm not against saving. I have investments in cryptocurrency. I'm in questioning about it. Like, why do I have savings? Because I do believe money, more money will come. But a story for another day, but so I'm not anti-savings. I'm pro-trust, pro-create your own safety, pro-realize that you don't need to be the victim or or be in a job or any situation that doesn't isn't treating you well or that is less than what you deserve. There will be a transition time where, as you're building the trust again in how you can receive money in a different way than the system wants you to, while still operating the system. Until so as you start to build up your own evidence for that, it there will be challenging emotions, challenging fears, and that's that's the journey. Letting yourself go through that and trusting that something else is on the other side, which is easier said than done, I know, but yeah. yeah. So if you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? It would be, you're amazing. You're doing great. Don't do anything differently. Because and because I know that's not really advice, but the reason I would do that is because where I am at any point in my journey and my past is the only place I can be. And what I've realized is that the thing that's most important for any being is not a thing to do or to warn about the future or to like give some strategy. Because even if I told a younger version of me is something that was going to happen. He wouldn't be able to do anything different anyway because his nervous system and his energetics were still where they were. So he'd probably just beat himself up harder for not being able to do what his future self came back and told him, hey, just do this. So it's actually just helping him, just being like, I just want you to know you're amazing. Things are going to be incredible. Things are going to continue to be incredible. You're doing great. And I just want, I see it in you. I see where you don't believe in yourself. And I love that about you too. And it's all perfect. And just letting him feel my love and my acceptance is what I would do. Well, Ryan, if someone is listening and they want to work with you, uh, can you share a little bit on how they can do that? I know you have so many different programs. Yeah, sure. The thing I would invite anyone into is going onto my website, orionohep.com. You can join 
email list there. Depending on when this goes live, in the next week, there'll be like a new like PDF to kind of support you in this journey and, and a guided meditation and some like videos that you can kind of just consume on your own, but also to book a free session with me. They're called Peace and Purpose Alignment Sessions, where we really do spend the whole 60 minutes diving into as much, uh, supporting you as much as I can, helping you bring some unconscious belief to conscious awareness. And if at the end we feel really connected and really aligned and want to go deeper, we'll set up another call to talk about that. Then from there, I have one-on-one coaching. I also do human design readings, wealth dynamics readings, and uh, also work with the Gene Keys. So I also have a membership program, which is a really great way to dive in with me. Uh, it's, it's called the Aligned Phoenix School of Unlearning. And you can find out about that on the website as well and, and dive in and always reach out to me. Like I said, you can always, if you have questions or just want to connect with me, you can schedule a piece of purpose alignment session and happy to spend time with you. Those are the, those are the, major, the major ways. Thank you so much for coming on today. I've loved our discussion. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it was so great. I really, really enjoyed it too. Glad to have this opportunity. Hopefully it was helpful for your, your audience in some really big ways. Yeah, definitely. And if you're listening, I want to mention you can find Orion on Facebook, Orion Oheave, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I will put all of those in the notes below along with his website. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you want more information about A Call to Thrive, you can go to acalltothrive.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful week.